Up again, down again. The price of Bitcoin soared Monday night on some pretty outstanding news from Fidelity Investments and then promptly gave it all up when the stock market tanked on Tuesday. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast today is wednesday april 27th 2022 which means it is dca wednesday are you ready to get your stack on before we do that real quick a look at the vital statistics we find ourselves currently at a block height of 733,782 bitcoin is currently valued at $39,040 or 2,561 sats per cuckbuck. Uh, if you were interested in purchasing Bitcoin for shiny metal rocks, it's going to cost you 20.6 ounces of gold to buy one Bitcoin, and one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 2,340 Papa John's pizzas, and the price of oil is currently ringing in at 270,953 sats per barrel. For those of you who pay attention to such a thing, the current market cap of Bitcoin is 740.1 billion, and that is down significantly from the $790.5 billion valuation just last Wednesday. It has been 167 days since Bitcoin saw its all-time high of $69,000, and that puts us down 43.4%. The mempool is relatively clear. Well, it, it there's only 2,567 transactions currently pending. It says it's going to take that two blocks to clear. So uh, I guess those are fairly large transactions. However, one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day. Uh, the recommended sats per byte to be included in the next block is currently showing about eight sats per byte. And that's double what it was last week when it was only four sats per byte. But one sat per byte transactions will still clear within at least, well, probably within an hour or so, but at least within a 24-hour period. And for those of you who have been following, you know my absolute favorite metric to follow is the 24-hour transaction rate. And Bitcoin has currently been averaging 3.29 transactions per second. That's down just a little bit. We were 3.37 transactions per second last Wednesday, but still above that magic number of three transactions per second that I like to see, and above where we were two weeks ago when we were 3.21 transactions per second. So some pretty healthy on-chain volume still, although that metric's probably getting less and less important as more people are using the Lightning Network. We are looking at a difficulty adjustment in a mere 41 blocks, so just a few hours from now, and depending where you get your data, that is either going to be a downward difficulty adjustment of 4.7 to 5.0%. Uh, last difficulty adjustment was two weeks ago, and that was an increase, correction, that was a decrease of 1.3%. Clearly, we're making that, we made that hash rate back up because uh, we're going to be going up. It's going to be 4.7 to 5% harder 
to mine a Bitcoin in just a few blocks. Uh, and that is because blocks are currently averaging 9 minutes and 32 seconds as difficulty epoch. And that is even faster than last Wednesday when they were zooming in at 9 minutes and 52 seconds. Of course, the uh, Bitcoin code is designed to try and keep blocks at an average time of 10 minutes per block. And so uh, 9 minutes and 32 seconds being significantly faster than that means the difficulty to mine a block of Bitcoin is about to go up. I think it was on Daniel Prince's podcast where I heard one of his guests say that if you work from home and you have a wife and kids or dogs, that that means you really work from car. And today I'm working from car, or more specifically from the backseat of a rented minivan. As usual, I am on the road and uh, hopefully uh, this is uh, going to be good enough. Hopefully the acoustics are okay in here and that Nobody drives by with a particularly obnoxiously loud vehicle uh, while I'm recording. But uh, today we are working from car. There has been some pretty exciting news this week. Uh, as I alluded to in the introduction, Fidelity Investments said that they're going to begin to allow um, they're going to begin to allow people to invest Bitcoin in their 401ks. That is a huge, huge deal. Fidelity Investments. Uh, Currently, well, Fidelity Investments currently manages $2.7 trillion in assets. That's more than double, almost, what is that, almost triple? That's, that's more than double uh, Bitcoin's market cap. And currently, 23,000 companies offer Fidelity 401ks to their employees. So there is a fair chance that if you have a 401k at your work, uh, it's probably managed by Fidelity. And that means that... Um, in the not too distant future, hopefully you will be able to put Bitcoin in your 401k. And while many people um, would be opposed to that based on the fact that it would be custodial Bitcoin, you know, the whole not your keys, not your coin thing, uh, it there are some significant tax advantages for holding Bitcoin in your 401k. Uh, and uh, so in addition to those tax advantages, a heck of a lot more normies uh, will probably feel comfortable putting uh, Bitcoin in their 401k as opposed to buying and holding Bitcoin themselves. Whether you think it is a good idea or not to have Bitcoin in your 401k, uh, no one can argue rationally that this will not increase Bitcoin adoption. Remember, it seems like just yesterday, I guess it's four years ago now, that just the mention of backed, remember backed, just the mention that Bact was going to launch, and then then when Bact was delayed and it was going to launch again, every time someone said the word Bact, it caused the price of Bitcoin to just surge. Uh, there were the rumor that Bact was going to let you buy Bitcoin at Starbucks, uh, etc. Every time the rumors that an ETF was getting ready to approve or someone mentioned the word Bact, the bit price of Bitcoin pumped. We've had, you know, the Fidelity News dovetailed with the big Jack Mahler strike announcement, you know, at Bitcoin 2022, where, they're, where you're going to be able to start using the Lightning Network at probably the majority of merchants in the United States now because uh, NCR is going to enable uh, lightning payments on their POS machines. Shopify is enabling lightning payments. The but the Fidelity news and the Jack Mahler's news just a couple years ago would have sent Bitcoin to the moon. I mean, that literally would have been the news that started the next bull market. And that just kind of shows you where we're at today that um, while we got a bump on the Fidelity news, Bitcoin immediately tanked the next morning when the market went down. So 
the news has been pretty much nothing but outstanding for Bitcoin recently. And yet here we find ourselves in a downward market or as Dr. Jeff Ross officially called a bear market. Speaking on a Twitter Spaces Monday morning, Dr. Jeff Ross said we've been in a bear market since November and that um, he does say he sees a short-term bounce because the market is oversold. But he predicts that we will reach the bottom in June, that we will reach the bottom before the stock market reaches the bottom, saying that just like when the crash happened in 2020, Bitcoin recovered first and faster than the stock market did, that it will begin its recovery in June and then uh, begin a, a bull market anew uh, before the stock market begins its recovery. Uh, regardless of what you think about people and their crystal balls, um, it was interesting that there's someone out there actually calling this a bear market now. I'm not 100% convinced we're in a bear market. I think we've had a couple of black swans and that cannot... Um, you can't... You can't say a black uh, black swan event like like the virus and 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 the other things that have gone on with Ukraine, et cetera, um, affecting the economy and affecting all assets and especially Bitcoin and other quote unquote risk assets uh, is indicative of a bear market per se. Uh, but if the four year market cycle holds true, then we kind of are due uh, for a, a correction, a bear market or a or a sideways market because. The next halving is in 2024. We are halfway there. And usually about this point in time, we are, you know, significantly past the all-time highs. So th that is certainly consistent. I'm not ready to call this a bear market. I still think that with, well, I still think, I, I'm beginning to believe more and more the people that say that this time is different. And they always say this time is different. Um, but this time is different. We've got a lot more institutional adoption. We've got a lot more huge developments um, in Bitcoin, you know, the, the strike uh, development, the fidelity development, ETFs looking like they might come online. While I think supply and demand will always play a role in Bitcoin and the halving cycle will always be uh, visible. If you look at the charts, you'll always be able to see a pattern that that I don't think will ever ditch the four-year supply and demand pattern. It is distinctly possible that, we, um, that that four-year cycle will look completely different from here on out that we still see a steady up and to the right with a euphoric surge every four years and then a little bit of a down market, but overall continuing up and to the right, which Bitcoin has been doing anyway, if you just freaking zoom out, right? Well, the biggest con uh, controversial contentious news in Bitcoin this week has been around BIP 119, CTV or check template verify. Basically, the main controversy is how uh, CTV BIP 119 has been rolled out. Apparently, Jeff, Jeremy Rubin uh, felt slighted for supporting Taproot and then feeling basically like the devs have blown him off when it comes to this BIP. So he tried to force his way to force this BIP through, quote, speedy trial or a user-activated soft fork. And that um, got a lot of people into hackles over uh, whether this is good for bad, or whether this is bad for Bitcoin, how bad it is for Bitcoin, whether... Um, it just brought back some bad memories for a lot of people. Apparently, he's backed off this a little bit now, and, and it reportedly is willing to allow more time to evaluate this BIP before before attempting to merge it. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But as of yesterday, um, it looked like he was going to try and force a BIP on the network, kind of like what happened with the uh, New York agreement and uh, Segwit 2X and, and all of that controversy. So 
Uh, you can understand why some people were mildly upset about that, even if they don't think that the BIP is a bad thing. And there is debate as to whether this improvement project or proposal is a good thing or a bad thing. Most people think at bare minimum it's not a bad thing, but it'll primarily just benefit exchanges and larger holders. Even the big brain Andreas Antonopoulos made a video the other day saying that he uh, it was too soon to, to tell that he hadn't really had a chance to look at all the complex technical issues uh, and determine whether he was in favor or against BIP 119, although the media is now reporting that Andreas said that this BIP, quote, might kill Bitcoin, unquote, if it brings assistance for recursive agreements, which could lead to the blacklisting of addresses and restrictions on how a UTXO could be spent in the future. Uh, I've heard a lot of people also mention that this could definitely lead to mempool clogging because one of the other features would it would it would allow you to send a transaction but stipulate that that transaction would not go through until the fees were uh, at a a point you know where you were it'd be like putting a one sat per byte fee transaction into the mempool except for after it getting kicked out of the mempool after a while it would sit there and not trigger until uh, the the fee the fees for transactions met your criteria. And I can see how that could lead to mempool clogging because there have been times when the mempool has been full. Right now, it's not necessarily one of those times, but uh, when the mempool gets full, if, if the exchanges started batching these huge transactions, uh, they could definitely bloat the, 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 they could definitely bloat the mempool. So regardless, my big takeaway here is that changes to Bitcoin core should be slow and methodical. The whole move fast and break things cannot work. When you're talking about Bitcoin, it is important. The I mean, everything about Bitcoin hinges on its security and its trustworthiness. Bitcoin security, its consistent monetary policy are the vast majority of its value proposition. Michael Saylor specifically referred to this when he was talking about his decision to invest his billions of dollars into Bitcoin. He said that he knew that the cyber hornets would swoop in if anybody tried to move in and F things up. Uh, so... I guess that goes without saying that one of the major difference between Bitcoin and the S coins out there is that they like to quote unquote move fast and break things. And Bitcoin is solid as a rock. It should be the same now as it will be a hundred years from now. And uh, I mean, if there were ever a major flaw accidentally introduced into Bitcoin because we were rushing a Bitcoin improvement proposal, imagine how that would just decimate the the, the price of Bitcoin because if you can't trust it, you're not going to put large amounts of money there. You can't have the next reserve currency, the world reserve currency, if uh, you know that people can just push a proposal through that can potentially destroy it or radically alter its proposition. Anyway, um, that's pretty much it for the major news this week, at least the news that I want to talk about. The real reason we're here is because, like I said, today is Wednesday. And that means it's DCA Wednesday. Uh, today is going to be our 40th stack that we started all the way back on July 28th of last year. Again, we've already stacked, uh, we've already stacked 39 times. We've invested a grand total of $780 that scored us 1,644,396 sats at an average cost basis of $47,433.83. And that's because we've invested as expensively as 65,969 and as inexpensively as $36,472. And that is the beauty of dollar cost averaging. If you're just joining us or if you don't know, 
What is dollar cost averaging? Well, DCA, of course, stands for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is, quote, an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, we've been stacking every Wednesday and we've been stacking $20. So our equal portion is 20 bucks and our regular interval is every Wednesday. How you choose to DCA uh, is up to you. Some people dollar cost average every week. Some do every every paycheck, whether that's weekly or biweekly, depending how often you get paid. Some only DCA monthly, some DCA daily, some DCA hourly. There are even services out there that will let you automate an hourly stack of Bitcoin. And while I think that seems a little excessive, that definitely means you will, you will guarantee that you don't miss any of the dips or any of the highs, and you will definitely have a smooth uh, average cost basis. And that's the whole point of DCA is that it, it aver- by averaging out your purchase over time, you don't miss the highs, you don't miss the lows, you buy every price. And therefore, um, you have a nice smooth average as opposed to trying to time the market um, where people tend to get just absolutely wrecked. And as usual, we are going to make this purchase using the handy dandy cash app. Cash app is not a sponsor of the show, but as you know, we absolutely love it. Uh, and I think it's probably... Probably the easiest method to stack sats, at least for customers in the United States. If it's not available where you're at or if you're just not comfortable with it, then choose an app. By by all means, choose an app that, that is right for you. Uh, but we're going to use Cash App. And if you don't already have Cash App, uh, we do have a referral code that's included in the show notes. If you click on that link or enter that referral code, um, you will get five bucks free just for using cash app or just for signing up for cash app and we'll get five bucks and that'll, that'll help us both out. Uh, the other thing I like about cash app is that I don't keep any money on cash app, but they will let me add money instantly. Uh, a lot of apps will let you add money instantly, but they will also let you spend and withdraw that money instantly, uh, withdraw your Bitcoin instantly. And that is a huge difference between, um, cash app and a lot of other, um, exchanges or apps. Um, For example, the evil empire will make you wait like up to five days before they'll even let you spend uh, the cash that you wire into your account. And other uh, exchanges will let you spend right away, but they won't let you withdraw it for up to two weeks uh, in case your your money bounces. And of course, Bitcoin has finality of settlement instantaneously and cash does not. That being the major, one of the major, many major advantages Bitcoin has over fiat Anyway, um, you add, I'm adding $20 and that'll be available instantly. So you just add 20 and boom, it's there. Then you tap the little Bitcoin logo in the bottom right-hand corner, tap buy. In this case, I just click $20. Sometimes 20 isn't one of the default options and you have to manually enter $20. Uh, click next. It's going to ask me to confirm. And boom, just like that, we've purchased another 49,994 sats at a price of $39,104.69, up just a tiny bit from when we started this podcast. And that has lowered our average cost basis to $47,214.63. That is down $219.20. That is one of the neat things about dollar cost averaging is if we had YOLO'd in at $69,000, our cost basis would be $69,000. But by DCAing, we've spread that purchase out and while Bitcoin is down in value, uh, it's lowering our cost basis. So our average purchase price went from $47,433.83 to $47,214.63 
in one fell swoop with just this one transaction. Um, that purchase brings us up to 1,694,390 sats. And if Bitcoin were to ever hit that mythical $1 million mark, that'd be worth $16,943.90. So there'd be pretty much no way to argue with that being a one heck of a return on your investment. Either way, dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy. It will be years before we will be able to determine whether this has been a success or failure. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to show that even if you only have a little bit of money, that's why we chose $20, even if you have just $20, over time you can build up a decent stack of sats. And uh, over just 40 stacks, we've built up a 1.6 million sat stack. So that isn't too shabby. Every day on Reddit, every day on Twitter, you see people asking, is it too late? Or I only have $50, is that little too little to invest? Or I only have $100, is that too little to invest? And uh, even though it's too soon to, to uh, make any conclusions on this experiment we've been conducting, uh, the one conclusion you can draw is that even $20 adds up over time. All right, well, I'm going to keep that part short and sweet because my minivan office is getting a little uncomfortable and there's some loud birds starting to chirp out there and I think I see someone getting ready to fire up a piece of construction equipment so before they interfere and make the sound quality potentially worse than it already is and uh hopefully it's not too bad hopefully the acoustics in this minivan aren't too shabby but we're going to wrap this one up so we will see you at least next Wednesday when we get our next stack on if not sooner but until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.